Right. Well, I have a 45-minute sermon for you now. Now, this has been great. I I love when we have an opportunity to share um, testimony like that together. And uh, I did take that into account when I planned my sermon. So we'll see. I have a pretty straightforward sermon for you today, and it comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 34. So if you want to go ahead and find Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 34, we're working our way through Mark during this, um, this fall and this winter together. And this is the passage that the Lord put before us today, and, and it's a good one. Um, and the way we, I would like for us to come at this passage is through the lens of thanksgiving and gratitude. What God has for us as Christians is, is so good and so deep and so durable and so everlasting and so reliable that if we will stretch our roots down into it, we have reason for rejoicing always. We have reason for gratitude always. Even when the, the other layers of our lives get really, really hard, as I know they are for some of you right now, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, we have deep, durable reason to be grateful. The Bible often talks about people like trees and uses a tree as an analogy. We all have roots that are that stretch out into different areas of our life and, and we our roots stretch out looking for security and looking for comfort and looking for purpose and looking for fulfillment and joy. And my hope is that our roots would not be satisfied. They would keep spreading past our families, past our careers, past our physical health and well-being, past our relationships, down deeper, deeper, deeper into the very character of God himself and the relationship we can have for him through Jesus Christ. So that's my prayer for this morning's passage, that it would do that for us, that it would remind us and it would secure us down into that. So let's read together. Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 34. Jesus had just been teaching his disciples about the upside-down nature of the kingdom, uh, that in the kingdom those who are first on earth will be last, and in the kingdom those who are last on earth will be first. And, and then they get back on the road again. They're moving toward Jerusalem where he's going to be crucified. It says in verse 32, And they were on the road, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. It doesn't explain exactly why they were amazed and afraid. Usually, people are amazed and afraid just at the authority Jesus had when he taught. Even more than his miracles, when people heard him teach, they were amazed because he taught as if he had the authority of God himself. So maybe it was just that they had been in his presence. Or maybe there was some premonition of what was to come. And so there was sort of a tension in the air that caused them to be amazed and afraid. Uh, It doesn't really explain, but that's what the atmosphere was like. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began began to tell them what was to happen to him. So here again, he pulls the twelve apart from the rest of the crowd, and he has focused private teaching just for them about what's going to happen saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, that phrase, that title, the Son of Man, uh, it comes from Old Testament prophecy, and it has a lot to do 
with his identity as the Messiah and his destiny as the Messiah. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. So he's predicting that the religious authorities, the Jewish religious authorities, were going to grab him, and they were going to condemn him, and hand him over to the Gentiles, who were the outsiders, those outside of God's covenant with Israel, to be killed. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver them over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So here we have another instance in which Jesus tries to prepare his disciples for what's going to happen. He's going to have to be killed. Now we know, all these centuries later, given the full canon of God's word, we know why he had to die. He had to die for our sins. So we can understand it with a lot of clarity in hindsight, but they didn't really understand it, as we'll see next week from what they do next. But for this morning, all I want to do is just tell you about and remind you about three things. Three simple but profoundly deep and important things that we need to always keep before us as Christians and that will, if we can, stretch our roots this deep, give us reason to rejoice and be grateful in all circumstances. So the first one is this. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for your sins so that your sins could be paid for and forgiven because the only way that you could pay for them and be forgiven of them would be with your own death. He died in your place so that you could be forgiven and reunited, reconciled with a holy God and be in relationship with him. Now, I want to just talk about this in a very real way for a moment. I know I'm a preacher and you're here in your attending church and sometimes we can get into a rote religious thing where it's just we go through the motions and okay here's the part where Matt's going to tell us about the gospel again and we've heard it uh, uh, several times a week our whole lives sometimes in a church people will bypass the gospel and they will bypass trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and jump straight to the next step and just get involved in church life and the relational network of the church. And this is a very, very dangerous thing because once you, you, you bypass and step over trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and just get into the relational network of the church and the doings of the church, it can be very difficult to ever look back again and realize I never accepted Christ to begin with. I just got into the church thing. Sometimes people will be involved in church for decades and miss this, even though they hear it every week. It's as though they're immunized to it. And they they go about being the church and perhaps even very involved in the church and never taste the freedom from their sins that's offered in Jesus Christ. And never taste the reconciled relationship with God that's offered in Jesus Christ. And so you have church folks who do not have the Holy Spirit. 
and do not have a real relationship with God and who, who can go through their whole week from one Sunday to the next without any prayer or any consideration of what he said in his word, any reliance upon God. In reality, they're living just as far away from God as they ever were, only now they're involved in church. And so I have to keep the gospel in front of you because I'm going to give an account for you one day. And what's more important to you right now is that you are going to have to give an account for you one day. Another thing that can happen is sometimes Christians who genuinely have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can forget and stray away from the good news. The busyness of life, particulars of a, of a very difficult season of life. I want to draw you back. I want to point all of our eyes back to this good news of Jesus Christ so that none of us would limp and crawl into this Thanksgiving week tangled up in all kinds of sin that has infected us and complicated our lives beyond our ability to manage any further and isolated us from relationships with one another and isolated us from our relationship with God himself. Not a single person in here needs to live a life of concealing their sin. Through Jesus Christ, every single one of us in here can confess our sin to God and be forgiven. Not a single person in here needs to live their life repeating their same sins over and over again, further aggravating their own consciences and their own hearts and the people around them. Every person in here through Jesus Christ can repent of their sin and turn from it and follow Jesus and be freed from it, forgiven from it. Have you ever had somebody that you really cared about mad at you? That awful time between when you did whatever you did wrong and they are mad at you and there's ice in the air and your relationship is not as it ought to be. That awful time period between that and when they forgive you and you come back together in relationship as you should be. So many people in the world have lived their whole lives in that time between them and God that they don't even realize it could be different. It may be that some of you don't even realize it could be different. It could be different from coming to church and hearing the word and going home and ignoring it. It could be different from living your life hiding sin and self-justifying and trying to just save face that you could just be open and free and humble. It could be different from going it alone in your life and trying to figure your life out on your own and relying on yourself. You can, through Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God and live your life in relationship with him and be free from all these sins that tangle you up. So first and foremost, I plead with you to take this seriously. We've had a great Thanksgiving service. But how much better would it be for some who have never taken that step of putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to take that step today? Some of you may feel like an elephant is sitting on your chest and you know that God is speaking to you now. Don't ignore that. It very well might be the Holy Spirit trying to open the eyes of your heart to God's desire to be reconciled to you. Let your roots stretch down beneath the attempts to cover up your true self. Let your roots strip down, stri- stretch down beneath 
the ways of coping with your life that you have devised into the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for you. Secondly, I want to point out, and this is from this passage. I didn't do a good job of connecting it because I'm skipping several steps in my notes, but what he predicted, this death, was for you and for your sins. The second thing I want to point out is that he did it willingly. He died for you willingly. Don't miss the fact that he, this was before the cross, and he knew it was going to happen, and he set his face toward Jerusalem and marched toward this bloody, agonizing death willingly for you. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever helped you something you needed, but they did it reluctantly or begrudgingly. It really kind of cancels out the whole benefit, doesn't it? Like maybe something you really need, and so you're glad they did it, but you almost wish they hadn't because you could tell that they were hating it every second. Sometimes an older sibling, a parent will say, okay, help your younger sibling do this or that. And so they do it, but they don't like it. It doesn't really mean a whole lot to that younger sibling, does it? See, in Christianity, we do not have a reluctant Savior, a begrudging Savior. He knew what it was going to take, and he did it for you. And so what's offered to you in Christ and what you have if you're a Christian is not just the blessing itself, but you have the blesser. It's not just the salvation, but you have the Savior. You have his heart. He loves you. If God did not spare his own son from you, there's nothing good he would withhold from you. So not only do you have all these blessings, you have the fact and the the knowledge, and it's secure. It's as solid as this, that God is for you and God loves you. This is the answer to all the why questions that we face when we go through suffering. We can face it knowing that God is for us. He's not turned his back on us. And we know he's for us because he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. So whatever you have going on in your life right now, know that God is for you. And then third, lastly, he arose from the grave. So here he, he predicts what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. He's going to die for the sins of all who would trust in and follow him. And he does it willingly for the joy set before him. And at the very end, after three days, he predicts that he will rise from the grave. And he does. He did arise from the grave. He's not just a martyr. He's the Messiah. And he is our living Lord. You know, we tend to... Um, As Christians in America, often we tend to just act like we're all defeated. All our country, all our world, we're so defeated. We're not defeated. Our Lord, Jesus Christ, defeated death itself. And if death has no sting, what does? If God is for us, what could stand against us? We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, who died for us and who arose from the grave. For us. So, this Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to be discontent settling your roots in anything shallower than this. Jesus died for you. He did it willingly, and he arose from the grave. We can face our life as those free from our sins and forgiven and reconciled to God. We can face our life, whatever's going on this week, we can face our life with God at our side. And whatever's going on this week, 
we can face our life knowing that Jesus Christ arose from the grave and he defeated even death itself. So in him, we are ultimately victorious. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this reminder of what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, let none of us ignore it or draw us near to you through Christ. If there's anyone who needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, Lord, I pray that you would just seal that, that you would open the eyes of their hearts, that you would do that miracle. If there's anyone who uh, has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but has straight away, has turned their back on you, Lord, I pray that you would make them so agonizingly uncomfortable with their sin that they could not do anything but repent and come back to you and be freed. And may we all this Thanksgiving rejoice because no matter what else may be or may seem wrong, through Jesus Christ, our relationship with you is right. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.